Good morning and welcome to Ask Andy. This is a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Andrew Newworth. You can reach me at newworthlaw, N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H-L-A-W.com. I wanted to talk to you today about medical malpractice. Medical malpractice, unfortunately, is like the fifth or sixth or seventh leading cause of death in America. It is hard to believe, but that is true, and I don't say that with any glee. My wife is a doctor, and, uh, you know, it's something that is always on her mind, is being conscious of not making errors and protecting her patients. But somewhere out there, there's some bad, you know, medicine going on, and it's not necessarily an individual physician. A lot of the mistakes in our practices happen when cases are handed off from one institution to another, from one doctor to another, from one practice to another. So I'll go through that. But, you know, basically, I tell just about everyone who consults me about med mal cases that you don't want to have a med mal case. If you have a med mal case that's worth pursuing in court, it means that, you know, you were grievously injured or someone is dead or there's been some other disaster. It's not, you know, we don't bring cases in medical malpractice where someone, you know, gets better because the cases are too risky and too expensive. The reason they're risky is the following. The law, for the most part, gives doctors the benefit of the doubt for, you know, a pretty straightforward reason. They sort of, there's a a big kind of, you know, safe harbor or there's a big kind of wiggle room for physician judgment. And the reason for that is, look, you know, it's easy in retrospect to say, oh, they should have done this and, and the blood pressure would have gone up and the patient would have been fine. But the doctor's kind of sitting there in real time looking at the numbers as they unfold and they can't look retrospectively, look back at what would have happened if they'd done something differently. They don't know the outcome when they're treating the patient. So there's a lot of like kind of wiggle room for physician judgment. So that means we don't you don't want to bring a case as a plaintiff's lawyer and waste, you know, $100,000 in expenses on a case where you might lose. Like that's just not smart. And plus if, you know, you're representing a client, your client's going to be disappointed one when they lose and two when they, you know, uh, get less money in a settlement or a verdict than their expenses. So, you know, you don't want to put a client through two or three years of fighting a case and talking about what they've been through and then have no recovery, right? That's not good for clients. That's not good for lawyers. Nobody's happy. So what does that mean? That means that in the end, the most serious cases are the ones that get to court and go to trial or to settlement and all the other ones are just not brought even if there is like kind of you know some form of of negligence you know or some claim of malpractice could be made we just don't bring those cases so some of it's just the business judgment of the lawyer along with the client kind of allows cases not to be brought and protects some of the more you know troubling um, situations where maybe there wasn't terrible injury, but there was sort of bad, bad conduct. So what is, you know, what does a typical med mal case look like? You know, the most egregious ones are the following. Uh, when I was a young lawyer, about a year or so out of the, out of the, uh, 
district attorney's office in Queens. I went and worked as a med mal defense lawyer in uh, New York City. And there was a doctor there who was performing. He had, on two occasions, he had performed what we call wrong site surgery. So this was a neurosurgeon who operated on the wrong side of someone's brain. So his job was to operate on the left side of the brain and fix something over there, and he operated on the right. There was another doctor who left a surgery in the middle of an operation and went to the bank and was cashing some checks. And there was another doctor who took out um, the wrong kidney. On someone who needed a left kidney out, he took out the right kidney. Okay? So if you have a left kidney that's diseased and you take out the right kidney, what's going, what's going to happen to the patient? Well, first of all, you took out the healthy kidney. Second of all, you didn't have any idea what you were doing. And three, you left the diseased kidney, and the diseased kidney still has to come out. So then the patient's left with no kidneys, and they have to be on dialysis for the rest of their life, and that has a lot of, you know, ominous long-term complications for the patient. So basically... You then, but a person can live with one kidney. So basically, you rob them of the chance to live with one kidney, you put them on dialysis, and you force them to be on the transplant list. So all of that is bad. That's the sort of thing that makes a good mal medical malpractice case. So the harder, what makes a harder medical malpractice case? A harder medical malpractice case is one where there's some physician, you know, judgment involved, or... There's, you know, some sort of physician practice that's, it's a close call. So let's say you have a colonoscopy. The colonoscopy is read as negative. Colonoscopy is something that looks to make sure your colon's okay. You should have one from age 50 on every 10 years. But for the most part, generally people's colon cancers will grow, you know, over the course of 10 years. So if you have one every 10 years, we think that we can catch it. That's the general kind of way of things. Now, let's say you're 50, you go to have your colonoscopy, and the colonoscopy misses a little tumor that could have been caught. Okay, is that the physician's fault? Yeah, maybe. But it's also the fault of this colonoscope. You know, they're not a kind of perfect devices, and your colon, without getting into too much detail, is like a very kind of mushy, wavy thing that has a lot of folds and it's hard to sort of see perfectly. So you could see a physician could miss it through their own fault or not through being careful enough or just because that's what happens in the colon. Anyway, five years later, sure enough, you find, boom, you pop up with a colon cancer and you die. Is that a medical malpractice case? Yeah, probably, because you could argue that only five years passed from the colonoscopy to the colon cancer being discovered, it would have been visible, obvious, if the doctor had looked more closely in the colonoscope. Okay? So is that a medical malpractice case? Yes. Now, if the doctor has done 3,000 colonoscopies, they might be able to say, look, I would have seen that if it were there, it wasn't there. Okay, so that's kind of where the case gets harder or easier. I had a case once in Rhode Island when I was practicing in Boston where a doctor was practicing in a hospital there with um, impaired vision, and he was using some sort of enormous magnifying glass. He couldn't really read the words on a page of paper. 
Um, but the case ended up going all the way to trial. And, you know, the doctor that my practice was defending was found not negligent. I don't recall what happened with the doctor who was practicing, but it was a pretty horrific incident. You know, this like, it, it was just kind of disturbing to think that a doctor who couldn't see properly was performing colonoscopies. But in any event, that would be, you know, there would be some contest. There'd be some fight over, you know, well, should the doctor have seen this? Was the cancer big enough? Did the doctor do anything wrong? There's a little bit more judgment there than the wrong site surgery situation. And then you come to a different sort of category of cases where there's informed consent. Okay, so you go in for uh, surgery on, let's say you break your ankle um, playing soccer. And you go in and they have you sign a bunch of forms. And one of the forms is an informed consent form. And the informed consent form says, look, surgery is not a perfect um, practice. Like, I don't know exactly what your ankle looks like, and it may need to be repaired. There's a chance I may hit nerves or ligaments or something along the way, and that's just the risk of doing surgery. That's like an informed consent form that you're going to sign. Now, you may not think about it because <laughs> you need surgery, and you'll pretty much sign anything they want you to sign at that point. But then ultimately what happens is you have your surgery, you have a plate put in, you have some screws put in, and then, you you know, you can't, for whatever reason, the doctor hits a nerve that's next to your ankle and you can no longer feel the side of your foot. Now, is that a medical malpractice case? Well, maybe. I mean, maybe the doctor, you know, cut a nerve that he shouldn't have cut. But is it covered by the informed consent that you signed? Yeah, probably. So can you sue for that? Well, you can, but do you want to? Like, what's the value of lost, you know, foot sensation for the rest of your life? Is it important to you? Yes. Does it have an important dollar value? Probably not. And did you possibly agree to some sort of injury like that? Yeah, you probably did. So in the grand scheme of things, probably not a case worth pursuing. Now, there are a whole bunch of things in between. I'll talk about them in later episodes. But that's kind of how we think about things. Like, you have to have a serious case... Most people don't know if they have a serious case or not because they're not sort of medically educated people. You know, they may be very educated people and they may know something was done terribly wrong, but they may have really minimal damages. Or they may have no idea that something was done wrong and they have really substantial damages. So, you know, every case is different. you got to consult a lawyer for these things. We as lawyers have to consult doctors to, um, you know, really fully evaluate whether something was done right or wrong. And at the end of the day, the question is, did the doctor depart from the standard of care for your average doctor? Not the best doctor, not the worst doctor, but your average doctor. All right, that's enough for today. I'm Ask Andy. This has been a medical malpractice day or first of four days. I hold people accountable. Have a great day.